I don't care if someone is making a YouTube video explaining how to make $1 million in a week. If it's just boring and dry, a lot of people are going to check out. And so even if the information is good, not a whole lot of people are going to watch it. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your guest host, Jake Foley, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Alan Thrall is an accomplished strength coach and the owner of Untamed Strength. Alan has coached thousands of athletes over the course of his career, and his YouTube channel has more than 85 million views and has helped countless amounts of athletes get stronger in and out of the gym. In today's episode, I talked to Alan about his growth in the strength coaching industry and how he accidentally built a massive YouTube channel, along with much, much more. As always, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbin podcast in your app of choice. Every month, we give a box full of Barbin swag to one of our listeners who leaves a rating and review. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode. All right, welcome to the Barbin podcast. Today we are joined with Alan Thrall, who in my opinion is one of the OG fitness YouTubers when it comes to just all around fitness knowledge. More than likely, you've seen one of his videos here at one time or another. Alan, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So where I want to kind of start this podcast is I know you've mentioned this before in videos and other podcasts, but I would love for you to share a little bit more of your origin story into strength and conditioning and how you kind of got started for anyone who might not know you. Yeah, as far as uh, just as a uh, hobby myself or more as actually doing it as a career or, or what? Let's do a little bit of both, man. I'd love to just hear okay. the full Alan origin story because I don't know if I've ever, yeah. actually, ever actually heard every detail to it. Yeah, so I started lifting weights uh, the summer of my eighth grade school year, and it was in preparation for high school football. I was uh, running track and I was playing Pop Warner football. And the high school football coach came to the middle school that I was at. And he had said, uh, at lunchtime, anyone who wants to play football uh, in high school, come meet for a meeting. And so we went there. He talked about a high school weight training program that he was doing at the high school I was going to go to. And so eighth graders were invited, any incoming freshmen. So I had started lifting weights then. um, And I really, really enjoyed it and bought into it. And I loved playing football at the time. And I knew that lifting weights was going to make me a better football player. So it was just, you know, even more uh, bought in because I really liked playing football. And so I lifted weights all throughout high school and I loved it. But it was primarily because I loved playing football. And once high school was done and I stopped playing football, I actually stopped lifting weights for quite a while. And uh, I got into long distance running. And so I was a runner for a couple of years. And then I decided to join the Marine Corps. And, uh, while I was in the Marine Corps, probably I'd say a year into the Marine Corps, I met a couple of guys who were into lifting weights. Uh, and I kind of fell back in love with lifting weights just for the sake of lifting weights, not really for, uh, any sort of goal as in, you know, I'm doing this to get better at football. I just really liked lifting weights on my time off. And while I was in the Marine Corps, you're kind of limited to what you can do when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, in the United States, 
of unfamiliar place for me. And so a lot of the guys, when they had time off, liked to go out, go out on the town and uh, do a whole bunch of stuff that I wasn't really interested in. So I would stay back on most of the weekends and just lift weights. Um, and then, you know, we'll talk about it, I'm sure plenty, but from there, I kind of developed this, this desire and this obsession to open my own gym when I got out of the Marine Corps. And so once I got out of the Marine Corps, I hit the ground running and I, you know, pursued opening my own gym. And then I started Untamed Strength. Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to, my next question was going to be how the Marine Corps kind of translated and gave you like that push to start your own gym. Cause I know you said that you stayed there on the weekends and pursued lifting, but I guess my question for you is like, what kind of sparked that to fall back in love with it? And then kind of what did the Marine Corps scenario and like the setting kind of translate to your personal business and kind of give you that push? Yeah, I would say that the, the two friends that I met in the Marine Corps, Josh Clark and Carl Borges were their names. And they were friends of mine. Um, and they were really the, the, uh, the catalyst to want to start lifting weights again, wanting to be big and strong. And so I was really just influenced by them. And I, I wanted to uh, be more like them. And I wanted to lift weights with them. Um, and I think that after doing a couple of years of long distance running, and being in the military and doing all their physical training and PT, um, I wanted to do something different. And I've always been active and I've always loved doing either lifting weights or sports or whatnot. And uh, so this was kind of my outlet to continue being active. And uh, for once, I had looked at weight training as a way to, I want to get bigger and stronger. And I know that lifting weights is going to do that. Where before I was just doing what I was told, you know, hey, football players go to the weight room and train. So that's why I was doing it. But now I really wanted to get bigger and stronger. And so I started lifting weights again and just, you know, became obsessed with the hobby of lifting weights. So that's, that's kind of what, what started it all Interesting. Um, as far as like falling back in love with it. Um, and I just really enjoyed being in the gym the same way that, I don't know, someone enjoys going on a long run or someone enjoys playing basketball. I just liked going to the gym and lifting weights. Gotcha. And then when you wanted to start your own gym, kind of what gave you that push to do so? Because I feel like that can be a very scary thought and I guess business to jump into. So what kind of sparked that? Yeah. So that's a, a, a really long, long answer to that question. Um, I, uh, I don't think that the, the Marine Corps uh, like equipped me with any sort of uh, traits or characteristics that, that changed me into wanting to be a business owner. Um, you know, people often ask, do you attribute your uh, discipline, I guess, to being in the military? And I would say, no, I've always been, you know, pretty disciplined and motivated even before the military. That's why I wanted to join the Marine Corps uh, because I felt like it suited me. Um, so I wouldn't say that the Marine Corps did a whole lot to uh, prepare me for opening my own business. Really, it was kind of the opposite, actually. I learned a lot in the military about uh, what I didn't want to do for the rest of my life. Um, and so that kind of, I guess, uh, negativity pushed me to want to start my own gym. Um, I had joined the, the Marine Corps mainly because I was confused at, at the time and I didn't really know, I didn't have any direction in my life. And so uh, I just wanted to do something. Um, and I knew that, uh, you know, and so anyways, I decided I was going to join the military. And at the time, I wanted to be told what to do because I didn't have the answers to many questions. And so I said, I'll join the military and just do what I'm told to the best of my ability. So I wanted that uh, direction. And a couple of years into the Marine Corps, I realized that I absolutely hate 
being told what to do. And I was getting sick and tired of being micromanaged. I was tired of reporting to uh, a bunch of superiors that I hated, um, that I did not aspire to be like. And so I learned a lot about what I didn't want to do, uh, which pushed me to figure out what I actually do want to do. And so owning my own business uh, or owning my own gym just became an obsession. And it was, it was very similar to me, you know, doing hard time uh, in jail or in prison and just kind of just sitting every single day and thinking about these dreams that I had and what I wanted to do. And so that just built more and more uh, uh, motivation to start this as soon as I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be negative and say that I hated the Marine Corps or anything like that. I'm really glad I did it. And I wouldn't have changed anything if I could go back in time. But it definitely uh, pushed me and gave me motivation to want to do this uh, because I had learned in the Marine Corps what I did not want to do. And that's report to someone every day. Uh, and really, I just kind of had a revelation that every single, I was dreading every day of my life. I was just getting by through life, hating what I was doing. Uh, and I was just, you know, what a pathetic way to live. Um, and so that's what motivated me to want to do this once I finished the Marine Corps. Oh, that's so cool. I feel like yeah. that's how a lot of folks start. It's either you fall in love with it or you find something that you don't like and that helps direct you towards what you end up liking. So that's really cool to hear yeah. that you kind yeah, of almost reverse engineered everything to build untamed strength. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, there's some value in uh, spending parts of your life doing things that you hate uh, in order to figure out what you actually want to do and whether that or, or just getting really uncomfortable not really doing things you hate, but whether it's joining the Marine Corps or, uh, you know, going to school for a long time or just moving out of the country uh, and just getting really uncomfortable, you know, teaches you a lot. Yeah, I 100% agree, man. You hear so many entrepreneurs are like, oh, I was corporate. And then I was like, fuck that, I'm out. And they ended up leaving and then they start something great like you've done. I guess yeah. my next question for you, man, is so you decide to start Untamed Strength based off of things that you didn't like. So you start building a life that you want to live based off of what you love what were some things that you've learned along the way when you first started? Like, I'm sure there were a ton of lessons you learned because you said that you weren't that equipped going into it per se. So I guess my next question, man, is what are a couple of things that you learned the hard way and things that went a little bit more smoothly than you expected and so forth? Yeah. So I, I went into the, uh, to, to starting my own gym with zero experience in business. Uh, I haven't even take, I didn't even go to school for it. Uh, I didn't have any personal training business, any formal personal training experience, I should say. Um, I'd never worked in a gym. So from, you know, outside looking in, it was pretty irresponsible just to say, hey, I'm going to start my own gym. Uh, but I was just obsessed with wanting to open my own gym. It wasn't that I wanted to be necessarily be a strength training coach or be this like world renowned coach in any way. It was just that I wanted to open my own gym. And, uh, you know, coaching kind of came as a necessity to owning a gym and, uh, um, yeah, I kind of lost my direction of, of where, where we're going with this question, but, uh, um, you know, go ahead and repeat what you were, yeah, yeah. Where, I'm, where I'm going with this. I'm like, no, I got you, man. Yeah. So, so basically, so you go into the business, not exactly knowing much about business, not exactly knowing or having, I guess, a formal coaching background, so yeah. you had to equip yourself with those things as you went. I guess in my my I guess in my mind, what I want to know, and I'm sure others do too, is 
like when figuring those things out, how did you kind of figure them out in like a hierarchy fashion, right? Was it like, all right, figure out the business and then dial in the coaching? Or was it like, all right, I need to get really great at both of these quickly. And how did you do it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, so some things that I learned, I guess the hard way. Um, so yeah, once I opened the gym, uh, beforehand, when I was telling a bunch of people about that I was going to open this gym, there were a lot of verbal commitments of like, Oh, I'll be the first one to sign up and I can't wait. Uh, and I thought that if you build it, they will come. And so when I, once I had started the gym, uh, and nobody was signing up, even people that, uh, I knew was guaranteed, you know, I knew they were going to sign up, weren't signing up. It took a long time to, to, to really convince people to come sign up for the gym or to come train at my gym. And I think the biggest mistake I made was trying to uh, appeal to everyone or cater to everyone. My first business cards said uh, untamed strength, powerlifting, strongman, weightlifting, athletic training, general strength training. It, it, it was just, I was trying to do everything, uh, but I was great at really none of those. Um, and so it just left a lot of people confused as to what's, you know, what exactly is this gym or how is this any different from the commercial gym? Um, it's not, it's not CrossFit. I know that, but there was really no, no, uh, direction to it. And it wasn't until I started, uh, actually pursuing marketing towards strongman that it started to take off. And I hosted my first strongman competition at the gym. And that, uh, I would say was the turning point of figuring out where I need to take this place and at where I need to go in terms of direction. Um, and so I think the, the, the first thing that I learned was actually find a goal uh, and, and actually have a target audience or target market and go for that as best you can. And if that needs to change along the way, that's fine, but don't try to appeal to every single type of person uh, because, you know, I was under the impression that if I, you know, make this huge target, uh, this huge shotgun effect, a bunch of stuff is eventually, you know, going to stick, but nothing really stuck. And so uh, it wasn't until I figured out where I was going that I could actually go in that direction, which I would say was the biggest thing that I learned early on. That's awesome. So I guess when you first started, so you finally dial in, figure out your target audience, you really hone in on focusing on that group and you start to really grow and build upon that. Where did you go next? So you dial in on Strongman, right? And get really great at focusing on that audience and building kind of that training style. And I'm guessing other strength principles within that. Where did you go after that? So I uh, I actually kind of flipped uh, all my business cards and my website to say uh, Untamed Strength, the only Strongman gym in Sacramento. And I was really, really riding on that. And uh, because I, again, I didn't have, it wasn't, it was not a weightlifting gym an Olympic weightlifting gym. It was a really crappy powerlifting gym. I didn't have the necessary equipment. Um, and really super training was 20 minutes away from me. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't any better than a commercial gym. It was far worse than a commercial gym. Um, and so anyway, so I said, I'm going to run with this strongman thing. And so I really played on Sacramento's only strongman gym. And, uh, eventually as more and more strongman started coming to the gym, uh, there were more and more people who were just passionate about strength or more specifically power lifters started to come into the gym and they were wanting, Hey, do you have any, uh, good power bars? And I'm, I'm like, what the heck is a good power bar? I have barbells, you know, but, and then I started to learn, Oh, you can have, you know, better knurling. You can have an actual, actual power bar. And so I started buying these power bars. And I remember, uh, three power lifters came into the gym one time 
And the guy walks up to me and says, can I look at your barbells? And I said, sure. And I had a couple of Ohio power bars and he signed up those three signed up just because I had Ohio power bars. And so I'm like, okay, people really do care about equipment, especially power lifters. So I had got some better racks, uh, actual deadlift platforms and uh, better power bars. I got a deadlift bar and then way down the road, I eventually got competition benches. And so more power lifters started to come into the gym. And so then it kind of shifted from strongman to powerlifting. Uh, and then, you know, even now it's more of strongman and powerlifting and general strength training. A lot of people who sign up in the gym are just sick and tired of training at, at 24 hour fitness or at California family fitness or, you know, other commercial gyms. And they're like, I just want to come to a gym where I know there's going to be a squat rack. Nobody's going to hassle me for doing deadlifts. You know what I mean? And so, uh, so just general strength training, just people lifting, you know, doing barbell work. Um, and so it kind of just grew from there. Uh, but in terms of, from a, a business standpoint, uh, to better answer your question, I think that once I really started to struggle with getting members, once I exhausted every form of marketing I can think of to get more members in the gym, uh, and I noticed I'm not really getting any more members and I'm not just going to sit here in the gym all day. Uh, what else do I need to do? And so I started making YouTube videos, uh, actual YouTube videos that could reach outside of the gym. So I was making YouTube videos for a while, but it was just promo stuff. It'd be like highlights of people working out at Untamed Strength. I'd put it in a new video and post it on YouTube, but nobody would watch that. And so eventually once I figured, you know, I'm, I've done everything I can to get more members. What do I need to do now? I started making instructional YouTube videos and I made a, how to squat, how to bench press, how to deadlift and how to overhead press video. And that blew up. Those videos got really popular. And so that was kind of my next step to figure out, I need more avenues of not just revenue, but just more avenues to, to market really, because I didn't get paid on YouTube for a long time before I realized I could. Um, and so I'm trying to get members. I'm not really getting many members. Now I'll try to make some YouTube videos. Hopefully someone in the area will see that on YouTube and want to come to the gym. Uh, and then from there, once I got a bigger following on YouTube, I said, I could take advantage of this and start doing some online training. And so I'd advertise online training uh, to get members outside of the gym to pay me for training. And then I said, uh, maybe I should make some untamed strength t-shirts and sell that. And so just eventually different avenues came that I could either put my energy towards when other things weren't working uh, and ultimately get a little bit of income from all of these things. Oh, that's so cool. So you kind of like, you almost stumbled into scaling it in a very strategic way. That's really cool. I yeah, guess exactly. I, I guess my question next would be, what drew you to YouTube in the first place? What did what? What drew you to YouTube in the first place? Um, I think it was, uh, I remember someone in the gym showing me, I don't know, remember what, what the video was, but showing, showing me a video because we were talking about the squat and, uh, and he was like, oh, you know, I thought I should do this and this and this. And, you know, at the time I'm like, well, that's the worst device ever. Who told you that? And uh, he's like, oh, I saw it on this video. And so he showed me a YouTube video and I'm like, this advice is terrible. And I went and started looking because I didn't, I didn't spend any time on YouTube other than the videos that I posted at the time, the uh, highlight videos of the gym. And so I watched more and more videos and I was like, I was thinking these, this information sucks and the, the production sucks. It's like 10 minutes of some guy in a warehouse without a microphone or anything, just talking uh, about the squat. 
And I'm, and so I thought there'd be a more clever way to do this, you know? Uh, so I was thinking about the production and the information that I thought, I, you know, the, the great information that I thought I had. And so I said, I'm going to kind of put these two things together. And I had ideas of I'll just talk into my camera, like pretty much read into my camera. And then I'll put actual video on top of that. And if I'm talking about stance, I'm going to put the camera on my feet and, and show my feet. Uh, and so I'm going to break it down pretty much how videos are made nowadays, uh, have this B roll and then this actual showing what you're doing. And so, uh, so that was kind of creative outlet for me. And I thought I'll create this cool instructional videos. Um, and so that's, that's what drew me to YouTube really was I had saw, I had watched all these other videos and thought this information sucks. Production sucks. Uh, I think I could do a little bit better job. And so I didn't do it as, I'm going to do this and get a million subscribers. I'm going to be the next biggest thing. I didn't even really understand that stuff at the time. Uh, I just said, maybe someone in the area in Sacramento will see this and say, what good information I want to come to this gym. And that's really why I posted it. That's insane. So kind of, it's like kind of a parallel in my opinion, like how you started the gym. It was based off of things you didn't like. You start making videos based off of videos you didn't like. And now it's, I feel like, if you're into strength training, you've probably seen your videos at least once. And it's like, it's just bizarre thinking like that it's grown to this. Did you ever think you would reach this level of like subscriber base, viewership and so forth? No, not at all. Um, I don't, I've never really been, uh, had a goal on, on YouTube to say, I want to get, I want to have a video with a million views or I want to get this many subscribers. I, I see it and I'm really thankful for it. And it's really cool to see. Um, but I've never really had like these goals of, I want to get this many subscribers. I, I often say that I'm a gym owner first and then a YouTuber would be second. And, uh, and so it was more of, I want to keep making these videos because I noticed one that as I made more and more videos and the videos got more views that more people were stopping by the gym to check it out. And so I was like, oh man, I need to keep making these videos because people are coming to the gym for it. Or I need to make more videos because more and more people are, are coming to me to ask for personal training. I need to make more and more videos so that when people Google powerlifting, strongman strength training in Northern California, my YouTube videos pop up. So it was more of like marketing that really motivated me because I saw the gym growing as the YouTube channel was growing way more than ever than you know, just putting all this effort into YouTube because I want to do well on YouTube. So it was, it was always has and still is about the gym more than it is about YouTube. Gotcha. Yeah. I think that I feel like at least from like a viewer point of view, it's like when you look at your videos, you very rarely see any form of like drama or people like being really negative. And I think that's because that your values lie in education and gym owning first. And then this is a byproduct of what you believe in and teach. And I think that speaks volumes to kind of the whole value that you give to the community. Um, it's kind of funny when you think about it, because what was that? Like, I think NBC just published an article about how more kids want to be YouTubers than astronauts now. And you've created this huge platform without even like meaning to do it. So I'm sure there's a bunch of kids out there like, what the hell is this guy doing, man? Like, how is he, how did he do this by accident? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It means a lot. I'm sure that it was easier to do well six years ago than it is today. Uh, I think that I think it'd be, I think it'd be tough today to 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 start from scratch uh, and really move up. Even the uh, like 
my wife just showed me an article about some, I don't know, eight or nine year old kid who made $26 million last year on YouTube and uh, not, not discrediting him at all. And I don't even know who he is, uh, but I'll guarantee you that they, he didn't just start, you know, with his flip phone videos and post them on YouTube. He probably has a huge production team to do this. Uh, and again, not discounting what he's doing, but uh, I think to do, to really stand out from scratch, that's a high standard. So I would say that it was easier for me to get to a hundred thousand subscribers six years ago than it, maybe than it is now, you know, I'm just guessing, but. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like with, as expertise grows and as more outlets become available, it all becomes strategy and it becomes a lot tougher. So I think you're on the money with that. Um, going off of YouTube videos, man, what has been your favorite video published today? Do you have a personal favorite that just hits home for you? Uh, I think so. Um, I would say, I would say a video called, I don't even know the, I think it's just called, uh, how to build a weight, a weightlifting platform. I've so it's that. not, it's not the deadlift platform, but it's the weightlifting platform. And it's me, uh, creating this platform and you don't, and I'm like painting on the platform and it's just music. Um, but I would say that that was my favorite video and that doesn't even have that many views. Um, uh, but I think I was most proud of it when I was done. Uh, so I would say that was probably my favorite video. Um, and what's funny is I don't even get I'll, uh, I'll, I'll look for the video right now, but I don't even get, uh, ad revenue from that video. Uh, but again, it's not a very popular video, but I would say it was my favorite. Let me find it so I can actually say what it's uh, called. Why, why, uh, do, why do you think that is by the way? Why I don't get ad revenue from it? No, no, no. Why that's your favorite. Uh, um, I think it's just the, I don't know. It's just the most artistic video I think I've made. Uh, and if you watch the video, it took a lot of work to one to make the platform, but to do all the different camera angles. And I had made it thinking, uh, kind of trying to tell a story. Like I, I'm standing in the gym and I'm trying to do Olympic weightlifting. I'm trying to do a split jerk and I can't on my deadlift platforms. And so I'm looking around thinking, what am I going to do? And then I see a spot where benches and I move the bench out of the way and I build this platform and you know that I'm building a platform, but the, the angles are so close that you can't really tell what I'm doing until the very end when it reveals the train untamed on the platform. But I was just really proud of uh, making that platform and then being able to paint that train untamed on it. Uh, and then the whole video, uh, it just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think my favorite um, video that I've made. That's really cool. I think, yeah. I think if I could, if I could share my favorite that you've ever made that I think has just been super impactful with just how you presented it was the RPE video when you had up, oh, the num- cool. when you had up the numbers and you were walking back, like I thought that was so yeah. well done and so cool. And like, I could be somebody who has never even heard the term RPE and I'd be like, all right, I get this. I think like I could, I could start using this. That's that, yeah, was, that cool. was, that was a really cool video. How did you come up with that idea? By the way, I was actually so, just curious. I don't, uh, I don't remember exactly how I came up with the idea. I was just, uh, I was just thinking of how to present this. And originally I was like, I'll do this on a whiteboard. Uh, because if I can, I always want to do a natural visual present presentation versus, uh, just text on the screen. I sometimes use text, but instead of, if I would have done that and just put like a one and a two and a three, very boring. Um, and so I, I, uh, try to go the extra mile to make this, even if someone's not really understanding or if they're not even really into the video, 
at least they're they're sticking around because they're watching where is this going or like huh how did he put himself side by side um so I, I just wanted to do something like actual holding numbers and the just cutting those numbers out of cardboard like a little bit every day took like two weeks to just to get the numbers uh and then what i had actually done was i framed it with my camera so i just set it up uh here and then if you look on the ground there's little tiny uh pieces of duct tape and that's where i stand so it's 10 10 spots gotcha. and i had off to the side out of camera i had uh, a huge pile of clothes so i had like 10 t-shirts a few pairs of shorts yeah and uh so i would put one outfit on and then I'd walk in and I'd stand there with the one for like 10 seconds and I just kind of like hang out and then I'd leave, stop the camera, start it, change my clothes, hang out just on the two. So it's 10 different frames. And then I crop them all to where I'm standing. There's 10 of me standing next to each other. And so that was, that was the, that was how it was done. Uh, but it was mainly because I didn't want to just put text on the screen. I want to do something that was cool to watch. Um, so, so yeah, but I, I, uh, appreciate that because that video also took a long time and i was really happy with with that video too the video is called building a weightlifting platform and it has seventy thousand views which is good but it's not one of my best videos but i would say the that's uh the video i'm i enjoy watching the most i guess because i like the song and it's on it too gotcha and listeners i'll link those videos down below with the rpe and the weightlifting platform um cool. my next question's for you man and this is kind of coming from like a creative standpoint is when you ventured into making YouTube videos and your gym, it doesn't sound like you had like a huge creative background and obviously correct me if I'm wrong. So how did you kind of develop that? Well, now when you think of videos, like how you just explain that, how much time do you spend thinking about how to visually present topics? Is it based off of how you would want to learn objectively if you were the audience you're trying to target, or is it something that you've seen from others that you think you could improve on? How do you go about your creative flow? So I think, I think I've always been uh, a bit artistic. Nice. I, I do like, uh, I don't do it really anymore, but I, I do like drawing uh, and uh, something that's fun to do also is uh, like writing songs, totally like parody joking songs, like Weird Al stuff. And so I've always kind of done that uh, and where I've made like, you know, taken lyrics from a normal song and just like change the words to something. And so I think that played in plays into how I make my videos. Um, and I remember again, after watching a lot of those bad videos thinking this is really boring and I don't care. I don't care if someone is making a YouTube video explaining how to make $1 million in a week. If it's just boring and dry, a lot of people are going to check out. And so even if the information is good, not a whole lot of people are going to watch it. So I, I, go into my videos and I did, you know, originally go into my videos thinking that. And so I thought, uh, let me, uh, figure out how to make this visually appealing. Maybe, you know, throw some jokes in there so that if, even if people don't really like the video, they'll at least laugh and then maybe like the video, you know, give it a thumbs up. Um, and, uh, and segmenting everything so that there's multiple levels of learning. So you're going to hear me talk about it. You're going to see it visually in a skit or in, uh, uh, you know, zooming in on my feet, having text on the screen or giving, uh, an analogy, some way to get it across. And so I, I went into my videos thinking that, and I remember one throwing jokes into it and, uh, two to actually put some video to my jokes, like in my, 
my original how to squat video, I say really dumb and it's dumb advice, but I say, uh, you should, you should take your stance with should be the stance with you would take if you were going to take a dump in the woods. And I, I went out into like this wooded area and pulled my pants down and sat down like I was taking a dump. Um, and so it's like little things like that. I think that, um, one going the extra mile to do that. But I think that people laugh at that and they're like, Oh, this is a great video. You know, even though the information might be the same as everyone else, it's just presented differently. Um, and, uh, and so that's kind of the, the approach to it is one, I want to be as real as I can. So if I think there's something that's funny, a joke, I'm going to throw it in there and not think much about, uh, are people going to think this is funny? What if think people think this is dumb? What if people don't get the joke? I don't really care. I'll just throw it in there and not really worry about, uh, how it's interpreted. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of the approach I have to, to making these videos. Gotcha. How do you come up with your topics? I feel like you've covered so many at this point. Do you have certain asks that you look for, like read comments and like, oh, like that would be a good idea to make a video on? Or is it just internal? So I, I actually, about comments, I stopped looking at comments on videos a long time ago. And uh, I just, be, the the main reason is I just don't, uh, everyone always has something to say about, something negative to say. Um and especially as the channel gets bigger and bigger, it just, the comment section just becomes this like huge, uh, social of like back and forth, whether they're arguing with me or whether they're arguing with each other. And I hate to focus on the negative, but it's really hard not to, I can see a hundred comments of like, great video, great video. And then one comment where it's like, this is dumb F you, whatever. Uh, and that just like sticks out so much. And so it became this, uh, kind of addictive, habit to like, I want to go see what the comments, I want to go see what they say. And I would put, I would put something out there and feel really good about it and then see some negative comments and like second guess myself. And it would honestly start influencing the next videos because when I'd make other videos, I think, Oh, I remember those comments. What if, what if they interpreted this? What if this and that? And it was like skewing. It wasn't, uh, the videos weren't organically being made. I was thinking way too much about what people were going to think. And so I was like, I'm just done looking at comments. Uh, and I just want to make a video because every time I make a video, I feel really good about it. That's why I post it. And so I'm like, I'm proud of this. I think it's good information. I'm going to put it out there. I'd rather just be naive and say, yeah, it's a great video. And just not, not go look at comments. Um, with that said, uh, I don't want to say that I just completely ignore everyone. Uh, because there are a lot of people who email me and say, usually people email with positive stuff. There are sometimes people who email a negative comment, but it's usually like, Hey, this was a great video. I really appreciate it. Or they give a realized example of, you know, Hey, this was helpful for me for these reasons. Um, and in fact, one guy just contacted me and said that he wants a, uh, or he requested a, there's a lot of home gym essential videos on YouTube, but there's really no, home gym essentials for strongman. Uh, and so he's like, I think this would be a cool video. And I was like, that, that's actually a really good idea. idea and I'm going to do that. So I am, uh, I do, I do listen and I appreciate the comments, but I just don't like spending a bunch of time, uh, on looking at YouTube comments. Um, so, so I avoid that, but as far as the, where I draw inspiration for these videos, it, you can really see the, uh, the evolution of my channel based off of like how I approached training or what I was going through in that time period. 
for example, when I was a starting strength coach, all of my content was like starting strength related. Um, and, uh, now, you know, at least recently I just take, uh, different, whatever, whatever's on my mind most. So at the beginning of the year, I had my first, uh, kid, I had my son. And so, um, I knew that training was going to be affected. It was going to change a little bit, my approach to training. And so I thought I'm going to make a series about, uh, the dad bod and about training with, with kids and about, uh, just doing what you can with limited, uh, time in the gym. And so I just would make videos about that. And then more recently I signed up for a strongman competition that I competed in earlier this month. And so I said, Hey, leading up to it, I'm going to document my training for the strongman competition. And I'm going to just in each training vlog, I'm going to talk a little bit about whatever's on my mind. Um, and so I had a training series vlog up to my competition and then it finished with the actual competition. And so a lot of it is, um, pretty much what I'm going through in life at that time. So I love that. I think, I think sometimes content creators can get so focused on the next best thing that they don't realize that what's going on in their lives is usually really good information. So that's really cool. And that's a valuable information. Also, I like what you said about the, not reading the comments and focusing too much on the negative. I feel like with most, most coaches and athletes and content creators at that, that can really influence your creation, especially when you're first starting out. So I do want to touch on that really fast before we kind of switch gears. When you realized that the negative comments were influencing your mindset towards future videos, how did you objectively tell yourself like, hey, that's going to always be there. It's going to fucking happen. I got to make myself like true to myself with my videos and go with what I want that I think is quality. Kind of how did you work past that? Because I think a lot of folks get hung up on that and they can kind of almost limit them from what they want to create. So I would love to hear your mindset and working around that. Yeah, I think that I would just tell myself that it, it it's I'm not I'm not special. I think that those negative comments are on everyone's YouTube channel, not just mine. So, uh, and I would also uh, just remind myself that a lot of times, uh, pretty much, why do I care so much about this random person who I've never met? They've never met me. Why am I getting so bent out of shape for something that that he or she said? Uh, it, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Now, if it was my mom leaving negative comments, I'd be like, mom, what's going on? And this would like, piss, you know, upset me. Like, why is she, you know, but it's just some random person. So, uh, really, so who cares? Uh, but I, I also, you know, would tell myself it's, it happens all over social media. It's not just me. And I think there's always going to be someone who disagrees, which is fine. Um, there's always going to be rude people, but I think that just the best thing for me was cold Turkey and just just ignoring comments altogether rather than saying, well, I'm going to read comments, but if I see a negative comment, I just won't let it bother me. I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to completely ignore the comments uh, and move on. Um, and again, actually try to be a bit naive and say, yeah, this was a great video. Everyone loved it. You know what? And that's just, you know what I'm thinking. I don't know if that's true, but uh, I do uh, sometimes check and see which videos do well. So, uh, you know, I say, wow, this video was really popular. Maybe more people want to see that. And, and so, you know, I, I learned from that rather than going and looking at comments. So just seeing what, what's, you know, just like, you know, your podcast, if you were thinking, man, for whatever reason, every time I host a power lifter downloads are way, you know, everyone's always downloading these. Maybe I'll do more power lifters, you know, something like that is an example of how I kind of a little bit more objectively, objectively figure out what videos I'm going to make. But first and foremost, it really is just what I want to make. Uh, right now more than 
what do I need to make? What do they want to see? So, Gotcha. So I do want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your coaching methodologies and mindset, because you kind of mentioned that your videos have shifted with what's your most interesting like part of your life or how you're currently training. Um, I think that something that's so interesting about strength coaching specifically is that as we grow, our methodologies improve. We see things from a different angle. You're working with barbell medicine right now, right? Yep. So I guess my question for you is when you first started versus where you are now, how did you shift gears with coaching methodologies and how did you take on different approaches and kind of like share a little bit into the mindset that it takes to grow and learn and not always just bucket yourself into one thing all the time, you know? Yeah. So I can uh, say with 100% confidence that my, that, uh, the, the turning point in my strength training history of when I actually learned how to effectively program was when I started working with Austin Brocky. I originally was reached out to him for online coaching. And so that's how we met. And, uh, just going through it firsthand and actually have him coach me, I learned a ton, uh, whether directly from him actually explaining things or indirectly from just, oh, okay, I'm, I'm starting to see what he's doing here. Um, so I really learned about programming at that point. And from there, I'm, I continuously learn from him, even though I'm not, dire- I'm not working with him right now directly. He's not coaching me anymore. But that, that was the turning point when I started to learn how to actually coach. Previously, the extent of my coaching knowledge was was solely from other programs that I've done online. So, I, meaning, uh, you know, I was doing five three one. I was doing the Juggernaut method. I was doing the Texas method, and so it was just all anecdotal from my experience. Yeah, I've done these programs, so I get a new client, and I would have them do something that looks pretty much the same thing. And so I didn't know a whole lot about coaching. I just had some experience with different programs. And that's how I would program. Um, if if I came into a situation where they needed more than that, I didn't really know where to go from there. Uh, I knew, and and what's uh, what's nice about working with primarily novice lifters or people like I want to get into lifting weights. Can you teach me? There's a lot of things that'll work, uh, and it doesn't become as important as when someone says, "Hey." you know, I squat 500 pounds. I've been training for a while. I want to squat 525. It's a little more complicated than someone who's never squatted before. And so once I got more people in the gym, more and more clients that were a little bit more developed, I didn't really know how to train them. And that's where I learned after working with Austin. Um, so, so I guess that would be, uh, you know, the actual shift. And when I learned how to program or at least learn how to program how I do now, I'm not saying I know everything about programming or that my method of programming is the only way to program. Uh, but that, that was uh, a turning point for me. Gotcha. So the moral of the story is it's very important to have a coach, even if you are a coach, right? Yeah. Or at least uh, pay attention to someone. And you can, even now you can kind of indirectly learn without having a coach. You, if you wanted, if you were to say, Hey, I love Austin and Jordan's stuff. I love barbell medicine stuff. Uh, I want to learn more, go get some of their templates or their programs. And that's, that's how they train. Right. Um, and so you can learn a lot from that. You can learn a lot from watching YouTube videos, listening to programming podcasts, buying their programs and just, you know, looking at how it's laid out, uh, can, can teach you a lot. Gotcha. When it comes to training for different strength sports, how do you navigate that? And how does that kind of change your mindset? So 
you're strongman and you've competed in powerlifting and then you do um, the competitions that also have the overhead press. So now when it comes to programming for those and effectively leading up to them, how do you kind of shift gears in terms of your training and your coaching style? I would say that it, it definitely depends on the, the individual. So for example, uh, if someone came into the gym and, and they were extremely strong, they were maybe prior power lifter and they said, I want to do strongman. I'm probably going to spend more time working on their conditioning, their endurance, getting them a little bit better with different rep schemes rather than just one rep maxes. I'm going to get them some exposure and practice with the implements to learn the skill of strongman. Um, whereas if a complete, you know, rank novice beginner showed up to the gym and said, I want to do strongman, I'm probably going to have them do a lot more basic barbell work. We need to get your legs stronger, like the squat. We need to get your deadlift stronger. We need to get your pressing stronger. So it's going to be a lot more powerlifting barbell training type exercise. Um, so that the approach is, is, uh, certainly customized to the individual. Um, past that, I think that it's, uh, it's pretty clear cut how to get better at strongman if you're competing because you can know, Hey, this event has, or this competition has five events. I need to practice those five events leading up. Um, and so it's, it is a little bit easier than you might think. If someone just generally says, I want to get better at strongman, I'm going to ask them what equipment do you have available? Because they likely don't have every strongman implement imaginable. They say, I've got a sandbag. I've got a sled. I've got an old tire. And so I'll program strongman based on what they can do with that. Um, but I think that, uh, in my experience, pretty much everyone that I work with at untamed strength or through barbell medicine, they all have very similar goals. They all want to get better at the squat bench deadlift, some overhead press. They all have, a lot of them have bare bones, home gym setups. I've got a rack and a barbell and plates. So I'm going to program based off that. So with all that said, the majority of my training is barbell movements. And if you don't care about the barbell movements, if you'd rather not do the barbell movements, I will, I will say that I'm probably not the coach for you. You should go somewhere else. Um, so it's kind of like self-selecting coming to me. They want to get better at the barbell movements. And yeah. so that's almost all of my programming centers around barbell movements, whether they're general strength training powerlifting or strongman competitors, a lot of it's just barbell movements, getting better at those movements. Gotcha. So if you have somebody that comes to you that is interested in barbell training, but doesn't necessarily have a strength sport that they want to go into immediately, let's say they hint at like, oh, I want to do strongman, I want to do powerlifting. How long is that period of teaching them how to get really great at the main barbell movements before you actually start giving them a little bit more specific sport strength sport training. Is that based off of maybe their goals? Maybe they have a competition timeline or how do you kind of scale that? Because I think that's always interesting, right? It's bringing a novice from giving them the general tool set and building their foundation into a strength sport. Like what do you think is the right timeline for doing so? I think that it really depends on their, uh, level of experience, but just physical training, physical activity. Some people who come to me were prior athletes. And so they just pick up barbell training they, on day one, their squat looks good. They're relatively strong. Even if they are considered untrained, they haven't really trained with a barbell, but, uh, they progress rapidly. And then other people, it just takes a lot longer to smooth out all those wrinkles. Um, but as far as powerlifting, I think that 
your start time can be whenever because you get to pick your own numbers. So if you want to go and say, I want to squat 50 kilos, they'll put 50 kilos on the bar. So really you can start to compete whenever you want. Now, with that said, a lot of people are uncomfortable. Uh, they're not confident enough in their lifts to go perform them in front of a bunch of people. So they would wait a little bit longer. Some people have goals of, you know, even if they're arbitrary, they're still meaningful of saying, I want to compete in a parallel to meet when I can squat 400 pounds. And I don't want to go anytime before that. All right, well, let's get your squat to 400 and then you can go compete. With strongman, it's a bit different because you are stuck. You, there are weight classes, but you're stuck with set weights, standard weights. So let's say it was, hey, you're going to compete as a lightweight strongman. They're doing a 400 pound deadlift for max reps in a minute. And you say, my deadlift is only 300 right now. Then those are actual goals that we need to uh, strive to work towards. And once you can do that and you're confident enough in competing, then you can go ahead and compete. Um, so, so that's kind of the timeline that I would go by. And I would ask them if they say, Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing, uh, uh, just bought my first barbell. I'm starting from scratch. I really want to do powerlifting. Saw one of your videos. It looks really fun. I really want to do it. I wouldn't say, well, we can do it. And you know, uh, in a year of good training, we'll start. I would say, Hey, take a, take a look at the schedule, you know, find a, a meet in your area and we can talk about when it is. And I wouldn't really put a limit on, nope, you know, six months is not enough time. I would say, yeah, let's do it. Um, but I would be real with them if they were to say, I want to do a strongman competition. I would let them know you're, you're nowhere near ready to even, even like stand a chance to compete. So that would take a little bit longer. Gotcha. That's really cool. I like that uh, shift in mindset, depending on strength sports and the specificity there and kind of how to build around that. Um, throughout your coaching career, you've interacted with a ton of different minds. And I know you mentioned Austin was a huge pivotal point in your coaching career. Do you have any other mentors or folks that you've looked up to that have really helped your career along the way? Not directly. I would uh, watch a bunch of stuff on uh, Facebook or some stuff on YouTube and learn from it or be inspired or motivated by it. But I've never worked with anyone directly up until Austin. And uh, before that, I, I should mention that when I was in the Marine Corps, I was watching all of Elliot Hulse's videos. And this was like, this was like seven, eight years ago. So his videos were quite a bit different uh, than recently. And he was at the time, the only guy that I had seen, the only concept of a warehouse gym that I had. And I thought I just knew either athletic weight room or commercial gym. And once I saw his warehouse gym, that, that kind of motivated me and I would just follow all of his stuff. And he was actually a bit of the reason why I got into strongman because he was doing that at the time. And so I actually went to an Elliott Hulse seminar in New York, uh, when I was on the East coast. Um, and, uh, so I really, really followed him for a long time and was really motivated by what he was saying, especially with regards to owning your own business and starting your own gym. So he was certainly a mentor without having met him other than once, uh, before I opened my own gym. And then from there, uh, Nobody directly until until Austin when I started working with him. Gotcha. How has been working with Barbell Medicine? It's great. Uh, I originally just, like I said, started as I reached out to Austin for coaching and then did online coaching with him while he was a starting strength coach when I was working with him. And so I decided that I wanted to be a starting strength coach also. 
he never pushed me to do it. And he never said, you need to become a starting strength coach, or maybe you should. Uh, it was more of, I think I want to be a starting strength coach. And then Mark Ripito uh, emailed me, called me and said that he wanted to invite me to a seminar at Wichita Falls. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to attend this seminar, I should try to go for my coaching credential because I want to do it eventually. So I'll do it now. And so I got my starting strength uh, coaching credential anyways. And then eventually barbell medicine broke away from starting strength. And I went with barbell medicine. Um, and so now I do online coaching with clients that go to barbell medicine and I attend the seminars that they do nearly every month. It seems and I go there and I'm a platform coach. So during those two day seminars, there's instruction on the squat, the bench, the deadlift and the overhead press. And I'm one of the coaches who teach the movements and works with a, a group on the platform. Uh, that's really cool, man. That's, I love that, that natural progression from that and how you're still working with them. And that's really cool. Um, I want to take a moment to call something out really fast. So when doing some research on you before the podcast, outside of just knowing your whole background as a strength coach, I did find some information on celebsliferel.com about Alan Thrall going into a little bit of your career and whatnot. And I would love to confirm uh, some things with you, if that's okay. Yeah, you go for it. I think I've actually seen that website before but i don't remember what was on it but yeah dude ask whatever you want i'll i'll tell you if it's uh true or false it's actually pretty crazy about how much they have um so they say that your body type he has a bulky physique his muscles are finely toned which makes him attractive confirm <laughs> confirm or not confirm i would say no <laughs> i do not confirm <laughs> on body on body measurement he has an <laughs> What's up? No, go ahead, go ahead. He says he has an athletic body. He is six foot four inches tall. However, the detailed statistics regarding his body measurements remain unknown. Six foot four? Yeah, they have you as six foot oh, four. Is that? I'm six feet tall, six foot even. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And they say at the moment, the information on your weight is unknown. It's like a very unknown in this world of their websites. Yeah, that's funny. Um, sometimes I think that it sounds like this was. Uh, maybe created by someone outside of whose language, whose first language is not English. And maybe there's like some little bit lost in translation, translation to say like his muscles are toned and uh, are yeah. athletic, whatever it says. But anyways, I'm like, I'm imagining like somebody like I'm imagining that their site has like a list of folks who are like, have maybe a certain weight to their name when it comes to like social platforms. And they're like, their job is to like research you and they're pulling all this information as much as they can from what they've presented. But I really, I'm curious like where the six foot four, I wish something online said I was six foot four and like, yeah. and, mu <laughs> and toned and muscular. Well, that's people are going to be upset when they see me. Like, oh, you're not that big. Uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe it was again, like some, uh, uh, they just did their centimeters conversion wrong or something. <laughs> That's so <laughs> funny. That's so funny, man. Um, so before we wrap up, I do have one more question. What are the future plans for Untamed Strength? The YouTube continues to grow. The gym seems like it's continuing to grow. Where do you, where are you going next? Yeah. So I can say finally that Untamed Strength is what I wanted it to be originally in terms of size and equipment and layout. This is what I had planned seven years ago. And this is what I wanted. Uh, I couldn't open that right off the bat. And I'm glad I didn't. I started very small and grew from there. Um, and it was always wanting more, you know, uh, being happy with where I was at, but I wanted more with the gym. And I think that now I'm finally at the, the size and the, how equipped the gym is, uh, 
and the, uh, the members and the culture at the gym is what I had envisioned. And so now I can, because we have more space, I can grow from there. Um, so I'm really just set on, uh, continuing to grow membership at the gym, um, continuing to you know outfit the gym and make some small adjustments to the gym. Uh, because before I was limited to the space and every gym I've had, I had the first location, we moved to a second location, moved to a third location. And now that third location has expanded, uh, to a bigger spot. And, uh, I had always said, man, I'd really like 50 more members, or I'd really like this number of members, but the gym couldn't handle that. It couldn't facilitate that. And so eventually we got to the point in each gym where, uh, membership's getting to be too much. I can't, we can't fit in here anymore. We need a bigger gym. Um, and so that's finally grown to at the point now I have some more room and I can actually, actually fulfill kind of a, a membership quota of what I would like and actually, uh, actually facilitate or actually fit it. Um, so I'm pretty happy with where the gym's at now. And I'm going to just continue to grow from there. As far as outside of the gym, no huge plans for YouTube other than continuing to make YouTube videos. Um, and I think that with just trying to stay relevant and continuously posting, the channel will naturally grow from there. Um, I would like to streamline the untamed strength apparel process. Um, and probably now that I have more space at the gym, stock some of my own inventory right now, it's all online with Teespring. So stock some of my own inventory, um, and just continue working from there. And then, uh, promote more competitions at the gym also. So awesome. Would you ever, cool. would you ever do a two untamed locations, maybe an untamed East coast out here in Brooklyn? I would never say never, <laughs> but I don't, I don't have any plans of doing that. Gotcha. Untamed strength is very much still, um, my second baby outside of my first real baby. Um, <laughs> and so I would, if I did, I would just, it would be so much work to look over someone else's shoulder and make sure that, it is what I want it to be that, uh, I feel like I have a lot more potential and, uh, or room for growth now than if I, you know, to open a second one, but gotcha. maybe in the future, it's, it's still just me. I don't have any employees. Um, and so maybe in the future, if I did want to take a step back and say, I'm going to let some other people run this show and I'm going to expand it, you know, maybe, but I don't have any plans of doing that in the next five years, at least. Gotcha. Well, before we say our goodbyes, man, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Where can they learn more from you? On YouTube, they can find, uh, just search untamed strength or Alan thrall. You'll find the YouTube channel on Instagram. It's at untamed strength. If you're in the area in the Northern California area and you want to check out the gym or you want to possibly become a member, the website's trainuntamed.com. And listeners, we will drop links down below as always. So if you want to follow Alan, obviously, we will link him down below. Alan, thank you so much for the time, man. It's been a pleasure. Despite having like 20 minutes of technical issues, it's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, man. It was a good chat.